In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13-year-old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020. It's our future. Now more than ever, technology plays an integral role in the way care is delivered. But even in a pre-COVID world, clinicians have been finding creative technological solutions to improve the way care is delivered. From telehealth to virtual monitoring, devices and machine learning, there is no limit to where technology will take healthcare next. The future of cancer treatment was on display at Showcase 2020 as Glenn Kennedy joined us to talk about how CAR T-cells will change care for patients. So when we treat cancer, about half of patients are treated primarily with surgery, about a third with chemo, about a quarter with radiation, but an increasing number of patients we are treating with immunotherapy. Now, classically, immunotherapy is all about different antibody treatments, monoclonal antibodies, bite antibodies, checkpoint inhibitors, but now the new kid on the block that is increasing rapidly is cellular therapy with these so-called CAR T cells. So, a cancer cell. A cancer is a cancer because it escapes immune control. How does it escape immune control? It does that because it has receptors on its surface which are not recognised by our immune system. It produces receptors that inhibit our immune system and it produces proteins or cytokines which it secretes which inhibit our immune system. So imagine if we could structure, engineer a gene which encodes a new receptor for our immune cells which guarantees that our immune cells will bind to the cancer cell and be activated when they do that. That is what our chimeric antigen receptors are. But to do that, we need to have a mechanism to deliver it to the T cells. So we create, we genetically engineer a virus, a lentivirus, as a vector where we insert these new genes into it and then... We infect the T cells, and then they express these new receptors which are guaranteed to bind to the cancer cell and activate and kill it. That, in a nutshell, is what our CAR T cells are. Now, it is a complex, a complex procedure to do this. Our patient up here, we have to collect blood cells from them. We then have to transport those blood cells to our manufacturing facility, pull out the immune cells, the T cells, genetically modify them with our vector, and then when we have these genetically modified cells, then we have to grow them into the billions so that there's enough of them to actually have an effect in the patient when we give them back to them. There's a bunch of quality control to assure that when we give these cells back to our patients that we have the right cells with the right genetic modification in them in the right amounts you know, going back. And then we have to fly them all back 
to the facility to give them back to the patient. Are they effective? Yes. Our first CAR T cells, so-called CD19 CAR T cells, the CD19 reflects the protein or the antigen on the cancer cell that these cells bind to, cause complete remissions in 80% of patients with B-cell leukaemias and 50% of patients with refractory and relapsed B-cell large-cell lymphomas. These are patients with cancers that are unresponsive to other radiation, chemotherapy or other immunotherapies. And that's the reason why they've been rapidly approved both by the FDA and the TGA and more recently by MSAC in Australia. But it's a complex thing that to deliver these cells to our patients that we need to think through. Because they are genetically modified treatments, there's a whole bunch of regulation that we need to have. That process of collecting and then transporting and manufacturing can take up to two months. Currently, all of those manufacturing facilities are overseas, predominantly in the USA. There's a bunch of governance we need to talk through. These are very expensive therapies. They cost 450,000 US dollars per product. And CD19 CAR-Ts are just the beginning because there's a whole bunch of more efficient, less toxic, broader range CAR-Ts to treat a whole range of cancers coming down the pipeline. So what we aim to do was leverage off our existing infrastructure at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital as well as within QAMR Berghofer to actually start to locally manufacture CAR T cells here in Queensland. Why did we do that? Because the transplant unit at the Royal Brisbane already has international accreditation for cellular therapies. It is the largest transplant unit in the Southern Hemisphere and our partners at QIMR Berghofer already have a good manufacturing practice facility there. The aim of our program was to both, number one, in partnership with the Queensland Children's Hospital, have a Queensland-approved centre to be able to deliver and access MSAC or federally funded CAR T-cell products. Number two, to have an infrastructure to enable Queensland patients to participate in commercial CAR T-cell studies. Then we get access to all the pipeline products. Number three, most importantly, we wanted to develop an infrastructure to enable local manufacture of CAR T-cells utilising commercial vectors. Then, not only do we get all a broader range of pipeline products, but we have great efficiency in terms of access, less weight for manufacture, and significantly cheaper costs, which I'll talk about in a moment. And then that enables us to leverage off that infrastructure to actually start doing all of the really innovative stuff and producing our own vectors ourselves. And the idea is, is that we do this in a networked way across all of Queensland. So we're not all competing with one another for the same resource given the expense and the speciality of it all. So, on the back of a health technology grant last year, what have we achieved? Well, we aim to deliver a closed manufacturing procedure for CAR T-cell therapy within the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital Bone Marrow Transplant Laboratory. That reduces the turnaround time for manufacturing from two months to two weeks and it reduces the cost of the product by 80% compared to the commercial product. In achieving that, then we can partner with QIMRB, as I say, and start doing all the really innovative stuff around more efficient, less toxic, broader activity range of CAR T cells. How have we gone? 
So in the last 12 months, we have actually put all of the technical infrastructure in the lab to do this. We have also now got in place all of the governance infrastructure at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital to do this. And I'll touch upon this in a moment because this is just huge governance. All of our clinical partnerships are now in play. With the help of Queensland Health, we have been in ongoing negotiations and are almost, hopefully, at the point of becoming a national centre in terms of the federal funded products. But we have already opened up to commercial studies and we have treated three Queensland patients at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital in the last six months. Now, in terms of our local manufacture, we are on the cusp of putting cells into patients. We have now got delivery of our quality control vectors and our first runs will be next week. And if they are successful in terms of proving that we can actually infect our, the T cells and actually infect them in the right way and then grow them up, then we will be ready to actually put cells into patients within the next three to four months. To highlight how much of a governance issue and what you need to do to do this, in the last 12 months, we have had to develop more than 60 new standard operating procedures, revise more than 180 standard operating procedures around cellular therapy, create almost 50 new procedures and internally validate five of them. And that's across not only our laboratory space, but also our clinical team, our apheresis team, and our quality team. And not only did we have to do all of that, but then we have to educate and train all of our staff around every single one of those new and or revised SOPs and new procedures. So governance is very, very big. Here is our first vector. Comes in the post, literally, in a little cardboard bag and these little plastic bags here are filled with lentivirus, genetically modified lentivirus, ready to infect T cells. And this is the head of our laboratory, Dr. Cheryl Hutchins, holding them very carefully, hopefully not to drop them because they are, they are <laughs> worth a lot. But even to get those two boxes through customs, despite all of the, all of this contracts and all of everything else, 72 emails just to get those two boxes through customs. <laughs> but in saying that, as I said, I think we're just about there. So there is light at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> and hopefully that won't be a beer shop, but it will be the car T-cell shop. Thank you very much. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.